Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Good morning. You all are here by appointment. I just want you to know that. If you didn't know already, um, those of you that drove from Rome, hello to my Rome people. <clears throat> we love you. We're glad you're here. Um, this, this word has been marinating in me for about two years. And last year, I wanted to release it. And it wasn't ready. It just wasn't ready. Masha and I, I ran it by Masha. And, and in that really great way, she goes, oh, that's nice. And I'm like, this is not ready. <laughs> She's awesome. Um, but quarantine was really good to me in, 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 a, in a spiritual growth sense. And during this year that we're so grateful, it's almost November, amen. <laughs> um, <clears throat> It marinated, and it, and it marinated to the point where it was good and tender and, and, and just used, juicy and ready to be released. So a month ago, I said to Peter, I was walking out the front door of his house. I'm like, I got, I got this message. He said, here's your date. Okay. He doesn't even know what the message is. Okay. <clears throat> um, but it, it, it was ready. It, it, it came out in a couple of conversations with some women in my life, and I was like, oh, there it is. There, it's ready. And um, last Sunday, Peter actually preached the prelude. And, and so you know, you know you're in a good place when the pastor sets you up for your message. Um, so it, it's, a, it's, very, it's, it's very important to me. It's, I'm very passionate about helping people get unstuck. And this is an, an unsticking message. So who needs to get unstuck somewhere today? Come on. Like, there is so much swirling in the atmosphere. And, um, and this, is, this is a message for the season. I don't think it would have had the power if I would have released it a year ago. But today is the day. And that's why you're here on purpose. Today is the day. So I'm, I'm going to walk you through some things um, that I've understood in Scripture. I'm not, I'm not the quickest learner in the box, but I get there. And so I want to share with you some things that I've learned, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about how I learned them, um, because today I can laugh at my story. Um, so, Holy Spirit, we just, we just invite you to come and, um, and just release the sound from heaven. Um, Jesus, we just we just trust you with um, with what you want to say this morning. We just lay down everything, um, all the distractions. You're here, and we just want to focus on you. Amen. So I discovered in July at a, a birthday lunch that there are some things that people don't know about me. Um, one thing that I realized that my closest friends didn't know about me is when I was 12, I used to steal the car. <laughs> my, no. Um, my parents had a um, medium blue Plymouth Sebring. Amen? Come on, y'all know who you are. You, your family had them too. Thank you. 
And we had a summer house. We had a lake house up in the Adirondack Mountains. And what that meant was on the weekends, all the adults would go to someone's camp and um, have cocktail hour and supper. And all the kids would go somewhere else and, and have their own time, you know. And so one of the things that I started to do was when my parents took off in the boat to go across the lake, I would take off in their car. So <laughs> I, I, learned, I learned to drive when I was 12. I taught myself. And um, there's now Terry's been up there. There's, there's about two miles of dirt road leading up to our, um, our camp. We call them camps. It was, a, it was a fishing and hunting cabin from the late 1800s. It belonged to a, an organization. Um, and so we could sleep 18 people. So when I say camp, I'm talking about like a big thing, right? And um, that was just in beds and, and stuff. Then there was like the yard with space for tents and things. But that's a different story. So anyway, in, in this area, there was nothing but dirt roads all over the place. And in addition to, to these dirt roads, well, included in these dirt roads, there were two roads that led to towns about 15 miles away. So you could literally take the car on these little dirt roads to another town, grab a Coke, and then, you know, drive back. I know this, right? No one would know you were gone. But there were also logging trails, old logging roads. And um, so I tried out some of those, too. I mean, I just, I just drove all over. Should I tell the part about hitting the fence? Oh, this is good. This is good. I know my brother doesn't watch, so I can say this story. So one day, I was about 14, and I had taken the car, and, and it was a powder blue Plymouth Sebring. And um, in one of the beaches, they, one of the public beaches, there were two, they had installed this white picket fence, apparently to keep cars out. <laughs> um, so when I was turning around on the beach to come back, I accidentally, like, scraped up against the side of this brand new white picket fence with my blue car. And I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> and so I drove home, and I thought, well, I'll tell my parents. I'm going to come clean. Um, so I went to bed fairly early because it was my habit on the weekends to get up after my parents went to bed and walk that two-mile dirt road up to where my friends were hanging out, and we'd have these big bonfires. Um, so I was in bed when they got home. And then in the morning... I got up and I went downstairs in the kitchen. My mother was looking out the kitchen window and she was looking at the car with the white scrape, you know, down the back bumper. And she's like this. And she goes, look at that. Your brother has gone and hit something. And I went, oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> when I was 30, we were, we had Thanksgiving together. I had moved back to New York State from Georgia. And um, you know how it is at Thanksgiving, right? And, and so we're sitting there and around the table, and we're telling stories. You know, my mom's there. My brother's there. We're telling stories. Well, I'm like, yeah, I remember that time. And I start telling this story. And my brother's sitting in his seat, and he slowly starts to come out and lean across the table. And he had no idea. He was, he had, he said it had haunted him for 25 years. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. But I did really well on those roads. I mean, other than the white picket fence, like I, I did really well driving on those roads. And then I, you know, I grew up and, and started driving, navigating the roads of life. And the rules changed. Something changed. I didn't. I just didn't do so well um, navigating through what life brings us. And um, so I want. I want to talk to you today because I met Jesus when I was twelve. Um, stealing the car. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have been there, right? You got Jesus, but not a lot of sense, you know? <clears throat> so um, I love Jesus. I mean, I met Jesus. I love Jesus. And I'm going to tell you in a minute some reasons why I love Jesus. But what I want to share with you is a scripture that, have you ever discovered that like for years you've been glossing over a verse or two in the Bible? Because it's like, I, I just don't get that. Like that does, that's just not my reality. So there was a scripture in um, <clears throat> Galatians 5, 16. And Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the needs of the flesh. And I used to gloss over that because like, I, I just didn't know what that meant. You know, like sometimes the Bible's very poetic and pretty and we love it, you know, and we, we write it on cards and things and, and it's lovely, but I'm, I needed practical and I didn't have practical. And so um, we do ditches at Arise Life, okay? So I want to talk to you about two ditches around this verse because when we walk on um, this road of life, there's my ditch. What Jesus, what Paul was saying, what Jesus was saying through Paul was walk by the Spirit, right? Which would be like up here. It is so much easier to watch you guys right up here. Can't spell. It is. So this is what Paul is saying is walk up here where you know, where it's flat, right, on the road. Keep it on the road. Don't fall in the ditches. And, and, and I've come to believe after five years at Arise Life that there's always two ditches <laughs> because it's just reality. You know, what's in the natural is, is a reflection of what's in the spiritual. So we have these two ditches. And, um, and I lived over in this one for a long time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this... So, if, we're, if the goal is to walk in the Spirit, and I'm not walking in the Spirit, um, I'm walking in something else. I'm just going to wait. Let's just leave that up there and wait for a minute. I love that. Thank you for that slide. Um, will you throw up Matthew 7, 24 and 25, please? So this verse came to me um, when I was a, a young mom, and it hit me. You know how sometimes verses are like, oh, my goodness, that's like my life, right? So this, this little parable that Jesus told um, his followers hit me, and I, and I love it because it talks about ditches. 
He says, so everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man. And the NASB says, farsighted, like looking at what's coming, practical and sensible, because he built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods and the torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against the house, but it didn't fall. Why? Because it was built on the rock. Next slide, please. And everyone, oh, uh, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish, stupid man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods and torrents came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And what happened? Okay, so this was the story of my life. Every time a storm hit, my house would fall. I grew up um, in a home in, in the 60s and 70s that was um, ruled by alcohol and eventually, um, you know, some other minor substances. And I grew up in a home where I was told that the sibling abuse was normal. But I found out in my early 50s that um, it wasn't normal. I'm going to talk to you a minute about that. So I grew up in this ditch. And you know, these ditches are where we, we develop belief systems, right? So if we're not walking by the Spirit, we're not believing you know, in, in Jesus' truth. And we fall, I was falling into th this ditch a lot. I'm going to call it indulging. Hold on while I write. Thank you. It was just a test. So I love Jesus, but I didn't have a lot of tools for walking in the spirit. So anytime something happened, anytime, um, well, my sister was the abuser in my home for, for me. My brother called her ruthless and relentless. So one day she held me down, and she and her friend fed me a whole box of X-lax. Um, so what, what do you think I started to believe about myself? I was powerless. What else? I deserved it. Where was my mama? I was unprotected. If I was unprotected, I was not worthy of being protected. So I was unloved. So I had all these things over here, right? Unloved, unworthy. Because this situation was creating a belief system, and that belief system wasn't from Jesus. It wasn't rooted in the truth. And so that belief system was designed to keep me in this ditch. So I wasn't navigating life very well. So when I start to develop this, these belief systems, then I have to start to develop coping mechanisms. So I became a runner. I ran away from home the first time when I was 13. That probably wasn't a very good decision. <laughs> Just saying. Mid-rise. Um, 
How, how deep can we go here? Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say that some things happened there because um, what, if, if this was my belief system, then what were my needs? I needed love. I needed affirmation. I needed to be seen. I needed protection, right? So if my family wasn't giving it to me, where do you think I went to find it? Somewhere not good. <laughs> so I had just had um, a terrible situation with my sister. And I meet this girl in school who is in my town for some reason. I, I just had never heard this word before. It wasn't in my vocabulary. Probation. <laughs> Thank you. And she was nice. She saw me. She liked to hang out with me. She wanted to, to do things with me. She even suggested that we run away for the weekend together. Hey, that was nice, right? She invited me somewhere. But because I was so starved for love, for attention, for affirmation, I said yes because I'm indulging those needs, the only way I know how, the first way that came along. And so while we were there, some things happened to me that, um, that did two things. They, they changed the trajectory of my life from one of fairly naive and kind of going along to um, drugs and alcohol, because I encountered those for the first time. And it was the first time I experienced rape because they gave me so many drugs. I, I was just like, you know what I mean? So what, what are you going to do? Now you're really defenseless. Now you're really powerless. But because I didn't have any other tools, and this verse, I kept glossing over this verse because I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to walk in the Spirit. But I'm so, I have, I have negative capacity for anything that's going to be self-care. So all I could do was take the next thing that came along and the next thing that came along. So I lived in that ditch. Um, some of you have heard my other testimony. I talk about the anesthetic, the approval, and the affection. And that, those became the three things that kept me in this ditch right here. Now, what's the other ditch? Because some of you don't live in this ditch. Some of you have never been in this ditch. But some of you have gone over here. Control. We're going to call it ignoring. But we're going we're to talk about... So, over, over the years, I learned how to um, control the lack of um, love, the lack of affirmation. I learned how to control that. And <laughs> I'm going to do my best, Peter. Everything's fine. Yes. Everything's fine. Because it's not fine, right? You're just ignoring it. You're ignoring the fact that you don't have enough love. You don't have enough affirmation. 
you don't feel powerful. So you end up falling in this ditch, which says, which says oh, I'm just going to ignore it. Now, don't raise your hand. Wink at me if you have seen this in your churches, right? I see those winks. Some people are even nodding. That's very bold. Bless you, child. So I tried that, too. I tried just ignoring it and saying everything was fine. Everything was fine. And um, <laughs> then I get tapped to lead women's small groups in a mega church here in Atlanta. <clears throat> and um, the first two small groups I led with this mega church here in Atlanta, um, I, I say I blew them up. I don't know another way to explain that. But because I was now living in this ditch, saying everything's fine, everything's fine, but I'm still driven to the same behaviors that kept me in this ditch, the anesthetic, the affection, the approval. I'm ignoring the fact that I'm trying not to fall in this ditch. I'm, I'm staying over here. Everything's fine. Well, you know, people know. I mean, first of all, we were, we were gifted to be prophetic. We're gifted to be able to see not the negative, but what God is doing. That's now who you are, right? And, and it took the third small group. I love these ladies. I owe them my life. The third small group finally hijacked our Bible study one night. And he said, we need to talk. I don't need to talk. Everything's fine. No, everything is not fine. Everything is not fine. Now, at this point, my mother had just turned 90. So I wasn't going to have a conversation with her about my childhood because I was always told, oh, that's just normal sibling stuff. So I called my brother. And my brother said two words to me when he described my sister. He said, she was ruthless and relentless in her abuse towards you. I'm like, oh, my word. That makes so much sense. And I immediately got breakthrough. I praised God for that third small group because they got me out of this pit and they helped me deal with the belief system that got me in that pit. Are you okay? Hey, can you pull up Proverbs 25, 28 for me? I love this verse. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. What happens when a city's walls are broken through? They're defenseless. Like, they're going to get attacked. They're, they are at the mercy of anybody who comes through, right? But wh where does self-control fit in on this ditch? Huh? It's not the fruit of the Spirit. This is not the same self-control that we're talking about with the fruit of the Spirit. This is saying, as you said a minute ago, control. It's like white-knuckling. It's like, I got this, I got this. Well, that doesn't work either. So when I'm dealing with this ditch, God sends me my husband. <laughs> I love my husband. Y'all know I love my husband. So my husband's first wife um, is with Jesus now, and 
the stories he tells me, she lived in this ditch. So now Terry and I are married, and I am very aware of the ditch that he's used to looking at, which kept him away from the Lord, kept him out of church. And now my stuff is back on the surface again. Because, you know, God doesn't want us living here either. Over here, I was a train wreck. I praise God for the restoration and the relationships that have come from this life. But now I was struggling with this life, and now I have a man who's looking at me going, oh, yeah? Show me. I want it. I want it. So if we think about like a car, everybody's been in a car, right? Some of us have had children in the car with us. But I want you to think about a car. Can you pull up my Venn diagram there? Because this is what the Lord showed me. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit, right? There's no argument there, right? We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And that's by God's design. And yet each of those has its proper place. God wouldn't give us something if it wasn't for the purpose of advancing his kingdom, of bringing him glory. So each one of those has its proper place. But when I'm looking at my soul, my emotions, and I'm saying, oh, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. My kid's off the rails, but everything's fine. We're going under financially, but everything's fine. My spouse is having an affair, but everything's fine. We're not looking at our soul the way that God looks at our soul. Because he gave us our soul. He gave us our mind and our emotions and our will for a reason. So we need to think about, oh, and then like if we're just giving our soul everything we want, like that's not going to work either, right? So think about your car and that child in the car. If you don't have a child, then just imagine a child. You've seen the movies. <laughs> so your child is in the car with you and you go over a speed bump or you hit a pothole. You ever hit one of those potholes that your whole car goes, bang? Like, I hate those. Hate those. If it's like, I think the doors are going to fall off and the tires are going to go rolling down the street. So you hit one of these potholes and your child comes flying up over the back seat, grabs the steering wheel and starts screaming what? right? That's your soul being indulgent. You follow me? <clears throat> so I've shared with you some of, of my potholes and speed bumps. They're not pretty. They never are. Potholes are not pretty. Speed bumps are not pretty. And the effects of those are definitely Sad, tragic. So we want to think about the belief systems that drive us into one of these ditches. What would drive us into the ditch of ignoring? 
I got so tired of living in this ditch. I started, I, I tried it out over here because <laughs> I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can get promoted. Maybe I can be successful if I just pretend everything's fine. Because there's, there's all these other women in my life and everything looks fine for them, so I'll just pretend everything is fine. What's my belief system over here? Can't be myself. I can't really change. Sorry? Fake it till you make it. It's, it's false. It's not trusting God. Neither one of those ditches are trusting God, right? You should think about your, your potholes and your speed bumps. <clears throat> There's a, a slide with a definition on it. Would you bring this up? In 1933, the automobile was like the big thing, right? A lot of people are getting cars, they're driving cars. And the medical industry was discovering that the, their um, patient flow was increasing exponentially. Why? Because people are getting in car accidents. And so, um, you know, they, these companies developed this thing called guardrails. And I love this definition. A strong fence at the side of the road in the middle of an expressway intended to reduce the risk of serious accidents. <clears throat> so if we come back to our ditches, we actually have guardrails to keep us walking in the spirit because God always wants us to be safe, right? So the purpose of guardrails is to prevent serious injury. But when you hit a guardrail, it hurts. And the pain point keeps you on the road. You hear me? So I can't say that my life is perfect and amazing. But when you understand where I've been living and where I've tried to live, I think you understand why I live the way I live today. Do you know, what, what's the first thing you think of when you think of me? I'm, a, I'm fun, happy, affectionate, right? Un Warren. <laughs> I'm, do you know? <laughs> Let's turn the air down. So when I when I first started out of this ditch and I'm trying to you know figure out how do I stay up here and what does walking in the spirit mean? There was um uh, a fair, you know, like a ministry fair at the church I was attending in in New York in Syracuse and um, they, this woman, I was talking to this new woman in the church and I was telling her about the different things and, and y'all know me, right? Like I get excited. I get excited about Jesus. Like Jesus did this thing for me and now I want him to do it for everybody because it's so good. Life up here is so good, right? And I help people get unstuck in these ditches. 
Have you ever hit the ditch and been like, I yanked the car out of the ditch, right? I, I love to help people get unstuck to pull up out of these ditches. So this woman, I'm, I'm talking to this woman who was new in my church, and this other woman came up to me. I actually got offended because you know what she said to me? Oh, Anne, you're passionate about everything. I am not. Why would you even say that? I'm like, of course I am. I'm passionate about everything Jesus, right? But because I still hadn't quite gotten healed, I still hadn't quite dealt with some of this stuff over here and some of the reasons why that didn't work, I was like, I got offended. Now, if you tell me today, like, oh, Ann, you are the most passionate woman I know, I'm like, heck, yeah, I am. Like, oh, yeah, and let me tell you why. Because Jesus is amazing. So we have these guardrails to keep us aware of the pain points so God can go, whoa, hit that rail. Like, don't, don't go any further. God tries to keep us safe so that we don't hit those ditches because he would never call us to do something if he didn't equip us to do it, right? I'm going to get excited. Did anybody ever tell you that um, your emotions are, are not a good thing? Like you're, out, you're emotionally out of control? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the men who had the courage to raise. You get to keep your man card. Right? Let me just throw some, th some uh, scripture out for you. For God so loved. Jesus wept. Sorrow. For the joy set before him. Come on. Love, joy, sorrow. Those are your emotions. Those come out of your soul. God gave you those for a reason. What are some other, who are some other names in the Bible who had emotions? David. Moses. Peter. Elijah. Jesus. Joseph, Abraham, look it, they all had emotions. They tried not to ignore them. They tried. Try not to indulge them. Uh, you know, when Peter chopped the guy's ear off in the Garden of Gethsemane, we might say he was indulging his emotions. Your emotions are there for a reason, because we already said that God gave you a body, soul, and the spirit. And each one matters, and it has a function. And so we need to learn how to use the guardrails to keep our emotions and our thinking on the path, walking by the Spirit. Your emotions are actually your GPS for your destiny. I'm going to say it again. Come on. Your emotions are your GPS for your destiny. Why am I not called into politics? On my passion scale? Like, I care about our country, but I'm not, I'm not called into politics. 
what do you know about me that I would be called into? Inner healing. And that's inner healing in the church and inner healing in my neighborhood, in my community. Lance Walnew calls them the seven mountains of culture. Every culture throughout history has seven areas. has to. It's what creates a culture. Government, business, education, religion, family, media arts, um, entertainment, arts and entertainment. So there's certain, there's certain ones of those. Jonathan, I would assume you're called to the mountain of business, right? Brandy, family, right? Education, business, finance. You see, you see, our passions matter because they're a GPS for Gosh, I'm really passionate about this. When you're passionate about something, how well do you work on it? Really well. You get really enthusiastic. How passionate am I about those little hand letter cards that we put in the newcomer bags? I'm very passionate about those. I, that, that my thing. So, what time does church end? Tomorrow. We'll just bring the kids in. We'll get them healed too. Okay, so God always makes a way. He always makes a way for us to stay between the guardrails. I used to joke, you know, keep it between the yellow lines. Keep it this side illegal. Keep it between the guardrails. Because life between the guardrails is walking in the spirit. Now, who wants to know how to do this? Y'all been waiting, right? All right, let's flip to the second Venn diagram. So this is what happened. It's like those little spinners. So I'm looking at my Venn diagram last year, and I'm trying to, to make this message, and it's not working. And then Jesus changed my Venn diagram. What changed? Roderick, flip the first one up for me, please. Okay, so who's on top? Soul, right? And body and spirit are down below. So could we say in this diagram, soul's leading? Right. But where in scripture does it say, walk by your soul? No. All right, second, second Ben, please. So who's leading in this one? Spirit. So now we're getting closer to Galatians 5.16, right? Walk by the spirit. So what does that look like? And what is the soul and the body supposed to do? Because when I was going through recovery, they say things like, let go and let God. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with these? Right? So we have to have some practical ways to walk that out. Otherwise, we're just quoting scripture and saying, bless the Lord and everything is fine. And, you know, blowing up small groups. I didn't even tell them why I blew up the small groups. Y'all can imagine why. <clears throat> See me after church. We'll have ministry. I'll be over here. Okay, so what Paul is saying and the way that, that Jesus modeled this for us, because if we, can, if we can filter it through the life of Jesus, we got a starting place. Amen? 
right? Jesus is our, our what? Our model. So Jesus only did what? What he saw the Father do, he only said what he heard the Father say. So could we put that under walk by the Spirit? Okay, so Jesus kept his Spirit leading by keeping his eye on the Father. Do you use macaroni chains in your preschool? Who remembers macaroni chains? Come on. So Mac, well, I was a teacher for 20 years. I was a special ed teacher. And that would explain a lot, I know. <clears throat> so line, who gets to be line leader? The one who is most responsible, right? So if we've already proven our soul isn't the most responsible line leader, we're not going to put the soul at the head of the macaroni chain. Come on. <laughs> but our spirit is seated where? In heavenly places. So our spirit can already see the Father, just like Jesus. Our spirit already understands things from a heavenly perspective. So let's let spirit be line leader, right? So what do soul and body get to do? I am so glad you asked. Your soul is designed to be the physical expression of the fruit of the spirit. Your soul, which is your mind and your emotions and your will, is designed to be the physical expression of the fruit of the spirit. Now, this is coming from a special ed teacher. So, love, joy, peace, patience, come on, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and, but the healthy kind of self-control, not the, everything's fine. It's a healthy kind of self-control. So, now, if your spirit is leading and you're bumping up against this guardrail that says, for me, I would, my self-talk would say, I made a mistake. I'm unworthy. I need to run. Spirit says, mm, but Father just said, he loves you. You're trustworthy. He calls you his daughter. He has a plan for you. Let's go clean it up. We're getting to that. We're getting to that. Are you excited? Because now, now you know how to walk in the spirit, right? Hey, who's line leader? Right? So your soul is designed to be emotional. It's designed to be brilliant. But it's designed to be in submission to what the spirit is doing right? And your body is just simply doing what your soul is telling it to do. Amen? Okay, so how are we going to walk this out? 
What's the first commandment? And love your neighbor as yourself. So who looks at this and says, love God, love others, love yourself? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thank you. you they are smart. Because what it says, if you diagram that sentence, what it says is, love God, love yourself, and love others. We get all codependent when we get this mixed up. So we need to learn how to love ourselves. How do you love your children in the car? What's the first thing you say? Buckle up. We are not starting this engine until everybody's buckled up. What happens when they start screaming when you hit a pothole or a speed bump? Stay in your seat. Everything's fine. Under control. Because who's driving? So our soul needs guardrails to walk in our destiny, to walk in our identity, to do the kingdom work that we were created to do from Genesis to subdue the earth, something like that. So if we're indulging our soul, we're not doing our job. And if we're ignoring everything, the job's still not getting done. But God has given us an, an amazing design that I give you in the form of a Venn diagram to show you that spirit leads. That's how we walk by the spirit. So now we're going to get detailed. Are you ready? Hold up three fingers. Okay, you got three things. Number one, clean up your messes. Clean up your messes. What does that look like? Well, what that looks like in my life is I text Peter and Masha, and I say, I've made a mistake. I've hurt people. I'm ruining your church. I'm leaving. <laughs> Y'all have no idea. I'm not making this up. Am I making this up? I'm not making this up. You know I'm not making this up. Because then my second text is to the Mitchells. And Masha says, that's fine, you can leave, but let's talk first. I'm coming over. And we talk. What's happening? We talk. So we talk, and she goes, oh, I know that person doesn't really feel that way. Like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they're not mean. Like, let's call them. Fine, you call them. I'm still leaving. That's okay, Anne. You can leave if you want to leave, but let's call them. So we call them, and we, we do this crazy thing. We talk. <laughs> we say things like, it really hurt me when you said that. And we say things like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. I was just lashing out because I was emotional. I was just... I know I can see this now. In your next argument, you're going to be, I was just indulging my emotions. I'm so sorry. So we talk. 
And we end up saying things like, I love you, I'm sorry. And then we hang up the phone, and Masha says, okay, see you Sunday. I'm like, yeah, I'll see you Sunday. <laughs> Come on. Come on. We clean up our messes. Number one, we clean up our messes because we don't want to live here, and we don't want to live here, but we, we make messes. When we don't pay attention to the guardrails, we make messes. Don't leave before you clean up your mess. Please. Hold up two fingers. Number two, stop pretending everything is fine. Come on. We love you. If it's not fine, then find a person who's close enough to you and just say, it's not, I'm just not fine. I'm not, I'm hurting. Because you know what that person is going to do? Come on, what do we do for each other? We pray. We prophesy. We go, hey, let's just call them. And do that thing. What's the thing? Talk. Third, three fingers. Last one. I love this one. Take every thought captive. Goodness, why can we do that? Why can we take every thought captive? Because the Holy Spirit. Because our Spirit's leading. Romans 8, Holy Spirit in us intercedes for us because he knows the heart of the Father. Right? He knows what has to be done. So we say, Spirit, <laughs> come on, help. We pray things like, Spirit, come here, <laughs> line leader. What does Jesus say? So, so over here, we're going to stop running because I was a runner. Any other runners when we make a mess? Yeah. And over here, we're going to stop ignoring. And right here, we're going to take every thought captive. Right? Um, I've been reading this thing, this book. Throne room prayers. Do you know that you are a walking prayer meeting? I've had so many people say to me, how do I take every thought captive? And what is prayer? Talking with God. So, every time you hit a guardrail... Jesus, what happened? Because every time I hit a guardrail and I start hearing some of my uns, I'm like, whoa, Jesus, what happened? What do you say? Do you hear me? If we're going to survive in the world in 2020, 2021, we have got to learn to walk by the Spirit. We have to, guys. We have to. 
Otherwise, we're going to end up causing accidents or just staying home. Because this isn't going to work. This is not going to work anymore. I don't know what's coming, but I can tell you this is not going to work anymore. And if I see you doing this, we're going to do that thing. What are we going to do? We're going to talk. Because I love you. I love you. And you need to love yourself enough to learn how to walk this way. Because that's a commandment. Love God, love yourself, and love others the way you love yourself. So if you are not loving others, if you're getting offended, if you're bitter, if you're argumentative, if you're just generally ticked off, very spiritual, you're not loving yourself. And you are made in the image of your beloved. How can you not love yourself? Where's my girls from yesterday? They're so cute. I saw you here. One of them said to me, you're just so amazing. I'm like, I know. It surprises me too. I can't help it. Ask my husband every day. This is, this is what's on my mind every day. After this comes, what are we having for dinner? Do I need to clean the house? Who do I need to check in with today? But this is how I learned how to do this and how I learned how to stay unstuck. I've given you plenty of time to figure out your stuff. So if I can have the worship team up, and I'm going to hand this over, I think, You got to know your stuff. You got to know which ditch you're falling in. You got to know the lies that you keep cycling around. You got to know how to listen to your spirit. Holy Spirit is your best friend, and he's always talking. And here's what I believe in this season. He's saying the same thing until you hear it. Don't come tell me you, not, you need a new word from the Lord. You tell me what the Lord is saying to you today. Because he will say the same thing over and over until you hear it. He's not moving on. He's not moving on. I love you guys. We're just going to go into some worship. The altar, I want you to come up. I want you to, to do some business with Jesus. How do we do that? We say, Jesus, go ahead and stand up. Jesus. Forgive me for falling in the ditches. Forgive me for not trusting you. For not understanding that you're for me and not against me. I don't want to live like this anymore. And that lie that I'm believing this morning. Jesus, what do you say? 
and that mess that I'm, I'm currently in the middle of that I'm ignoring. Jesus, give me the courage to talk. Jesus, nothing matters but you.